Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is George Plaster. This show is sponsored by the Well Coffee House, which is a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at wellcoffeehouse.org. The Well Coffee House, where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, located in the Gulch. Today's news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt takes two of three in baseball from Hawaii this weekend and in basketball, it loses 86-60 to 60 at Ole Miss. Our guest line is presented by Bowling Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Yeah. George Plaster joins me from Nashville Sports Radio. George, thank you for joining me today. Uh, glad you were safe. We are safe down here in Franklin. The same cannot be said of a lot of families across the Mid-State area, and our thoughts and prayers are with those folks. Oh, absolutely. Listen, um, you really see what an awesome, destructive thing these tornadoes are. Uh, at my house, you wouldn't know there was anything other than a lot of rain last night. But when you look at the film footage in East Nashville and Germantown and Hermitage and Donaldson and, you know, out toward Lebanon and then up toward Cookville, man, our thoughts and prayers go out to these folks because what I'm seeing is is just awful. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's not often that you see tornadoes hit large metropolitan areas for whatever reason. So I think it really, I guess it resonates in a little bit of a different way. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's, it's, I guess it's just weird to see it hit in a place like a Nashville for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, I was on the air. I think I've talked to you about this before. I was on the air during the 98 tornado, April 16th, 98. It's a day I'll never forget. And um, I've always believed had the tornado, the second tornado that hit downtown near Channel 5, if it had veered a little more toward the football stadium, a lot of people forget the stadium was still under construction at that point. And I have always believed that if that tornado had done some serious destruction, to what was built at that point of what now is Nissan Stadium, I don't believe the Oilers-Titans would have ever come here. I don't know what would have happened, but I don't think they'd have come here. I'd forgotten that. I remember I was driving back from Knoxville in the job I was working at the time uh, from when that all went down. So I wasn't actually in Nashville. And, and of course, last night it missed us in Franklin, but, man, the thunderstorms were deafening it. Thunderclap woke me up around 2.45 or so and sent my son scurrying 
to my wife and I's bedroom uh, from that. So it was just very loud and noisy down here, but we missed all the stuff. And we had a few small, medium limbs in the yard, and that was it. It's just crazy how we escaped all the worst of it. Chris, I think we were even more fortunate than you were. I'm out in West Nashville, and, you know, I I expected when I got up this morning that there would just be sticks and big old limbs all over the place and nothing. You wouldn't know anything happened here. And yet I look, you know, I'm sitting here watching the television right now, like, like a lot of folks are, and the destruction is just, it's unthinkable. Well, hopefully anybody listening to this is okay. Hopefully your families were not touched by this. And to those who were, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. George, let's talk Vandy. Uh, The basketball team this week, and that was just a disaster in Oxford. You know, Chris, I kind of think they have hit a wall. For about three or four games, including the victory against LSU, you kind of were like, wow, this isn't so bad. And I kept wondering at the time, how are they doing this? Because I look at the, 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 the parts that are on the floor, and I just don't see enough talent there for that to be happening. And I kind of think they, they've just hit a wall, and I'm not sure they've got anything left. It's just sad to me how much expectations have been lowered the last few years. And this roster is just, it's untenable by SEC standards. I don't think things are getting a lot better. People talk about, well, they can get some transfers. They can still add players in recruiting. Recruiting is almost done other than transfers for this year. And the thing that people don't think about is what if they lose kids? I mean, because I think that's a very real possibility that some of their better players could leave after this year. Yeah, I mean, look. You know, with no more wins. So they would be something like 1-39 in or 1-38 in in the SEC over the last two years. And listen, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I remember CM Newton told me one time, his first year at Alabama, they went four and 20. And he told me, he said, every coach should have to experience this once because it makes you appreciate when things do get better. You know, you have a better perspective on, on appreciating that. But he also said, you know, while every coach needs to go through this once, they don't need to go through it twice. And those kids now, in a lot of cases, will have gone through it twice. My worry is that this is going to go on for a while, that this program is at a rock bottom. And I don't know, I, I don't know how they're going to fix it. Oh, I am with you. I don't see them getting out of this anytime soon. Uh, barring a wholesale change of philosophy in the offseason. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I mean, they've lost now seven in a row in the SEC, and that doesn't even register on the radar screen anymore after what they've been through. No, people are just sort of numb to the whole thing, and that's that's kind of where the program is. It's just fan base is numb. Uh, fan base 
is disinterested, fan base is tired of this, any of the above, all of the above, and I can't say I blame them. On the other hand, there is baseball. I did a podcast on Friday with a buddy of mine who goes by the moniker New York Door. We talked about the pitching staff, and of course I led it off basically by saying at some point, I don't know if I led it off, but at some point in the podcast there was this, me saying that they had probably a staff for the ages, you know, barring some sort of significant injury problem. So, of course, what happens over the weekend? Mason Hickman has an oblique strain that could cost him some time. And Kumar Rocker had a sore arm. We don't know how long it'll keep him out. It did not sound too concerning. But anytime you hear sore arm associated with one of your aces, uh, it's a little bit of a concern. So now there's that going too. Yeah, only time will tell. Um, you know, I believe for a while they've got more pitching than most of the teams they play, and that is where they're going to make their money, so to speak. Um, this is a this is an NCAA title contender. There's no doubt, but they also play in a league with a bunch of other teams that are right there with them, and um, it, you know. Injuries can play a huge role in where you really go here. Gosh, as I say this, I'm sitting here looking at the uh, at the devastation over near uh, the Sound Stadium, and I'm just trying to figure out if the ballpark uh, got hurt at all uh, by this. I can't tell, and they haven't been able to zoom in enough uh, for me to tell. Sorry to break in with that, but... Uh, I think their baseball deal is going to be fine because they've got more pitching than most everybody they go up against. The league this year is just so top-heavy with pitching. I guess Mississippi State is one place where it's a concern because JT Ginn uh, has got some questions around his health, but you look at Georgia with Wilcox um, and then the kid who's their ace, Emerson Hancock. Uh, You've got Ace Lacey at Texas Tech. they got plenty of other arms you had Garrett Crochet at Tennessee. It is just probably more top-heavy with arms across the league this year than I remember in a while. Yeah, you know, what I'd really like to see is uh, in next year's draft, the Braves step up and just say, we'd like to draft the entire Southeastern Conference because it's a, it's a league that is with future major leaguers. Um, you may not know all those names that Chris rattled off right now, but about four years from now, five years from now, you're going to know a lot about a lot of them. Yeah, and I left off plenty of other good ones. Nobody from Florida mentioned in that conversation. They've got a lot of arms. Uh, it's just it's yeah. going to be that kind of year. The bats, um, I have mixed feelings on the bats because they're making more contact than they have in the past, which, you know, in order to – put the ball in play you've got to have it make contact off the bat but they're not swinging it with the authority that they have been in past years now Isaiah Thomas had a big weekend for them single-handedly won them the game three against Hawaii I guess Dominic Keegan coming back we don't know what he can be he's thought to be a three or four hitter in this lineup if he's okay Look, Tim Corbin's teams always get better as the year progresses, so I have a feeling whatever we see in May and June may not match what we're seeing now. But I've said this all along, they just need a little bit with the arms they have. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean their hitting is probably not the level. Well, it it is not to the level that their pitching is. But that's the beauty of having good pitching is you can win a lot of three to two games. You can manufacture runs. That's one of Corbin's biggest strengths to me that doesn't get noticed a lot is his willingness runner at third one out to suicide squeeze. Think about all the times you've seen him do that. Um, he knows how to play what I call small ball and, um, and good for him. It's one of the areas that has elevated him to the top of the, the college ranks. You know, the, the real miracle in this is that, some major league team hasn't really given him an offer. I mean, you think about it when, when you're looking for baseball talent, somebody's bound to notice that this guy has taken a program. That's not exactly, you know, um, achieving at other, you know, football and basketball. And he's this beacon of light. I guess I am surprised that, some major league franchise hadn't come at him and just said, Hey, you want to try it on this level? That's a good point. I think with Tim, he is, um, I don't know if micromanager is fair, but the way that their lives are organized, the way that he's got his players organized to a crazy degree uh, with the, the classroom stuff and all those things. I, I think the question is, would that work? with guys who were in their later 20s and 30s. In other words, does a lot of what makes him special at Vanderbilt, does it translate to the next level? Because, look, I think Tim Corbin would figure it out. But I think, in my mind, hearing people talk about it, I think that would be the question. You know, I think uh, what you're bringing up is absolutely true. I, I guess if um, – if and and for all we know, maybe there have been offers we don't know anything about. Not that Tim needs my advice, but if somebody does call, come calling, um, he might ought to get John Beeline's phone number, give him a call. And because Beeline, I'm sure, now knows all the pitfalls of going from the college level to the pro level. And while all of this was wildly successful for him at Michigan and the places he was before that, didn't work with the old Cavaliers. You know, we're going to get to the bigger picture AD stuff in just a minute in the mailbag, which I know you and I are still very concerned about all that. And the one thing that keeps clanging in the back of my head is, what if he were to leave today or tomorrow? Uh, what would happen in replacing him? And that's the thought I think that should scare everybody to death. Well, I think if let, let's just make up this scenario. If it happened today, I think you would get a lot of people sort of mentally saying that's it. Football, there's nothing to get excited about. Basketball, we know where it is. And now all of a sudden the the beacon of light, you know, bolts for whatever. Retirement, another job, whatever. I think you'd have a real wave of panic that this thing is at about ground zero, about as about as tough as it could get. But I would assume that what would end up happening 
um, they'd take somebody if if they've got any sense at all out of the Corbin tree, whether it's Backage uh, or any number of names, and and try to get one of them to lead the program and sort of be Corbin 2.0 where you know the only thing you could do do is keep it at the high level that it is anything under that you get ripped yeah I don't think there is a Corbin 2.0 I think Backage might be the closest but I just don't know if that's something that you can replicate oh I listen the guy's a miracle worker and all of us who have been around it know that. And the fan base knows it too. And there would be some real depression uh, in a Vandy fan base if, if that were to happen. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag. That is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Josh can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. This is a great question, and this may be one of the key ones in front of Vanderbilt Athletics right now. D. Robertson TN says, will this AD search be a true AD search, or will this be procedural steps to remove the interim from Candace Story Lee's current title? If I were going to guess, the answer is B. Um, you know, because I, I guess here's the, here's the part of this that um, – that's really hard to answer when they put out the press release, you know, it was heralding Candace, the, the first African-American athletic director in the sec. And Oh, by the way, sentence two, Malcolm Turner is gone. So now you would have to turn around and basically say, well, she was good enough for having, for us to have this celebration moment, but not good enough for us to hire her. And, you know, that, that starts to cause a lot of yapping. So I believe the answer is B. Uh, I think it's procedural. Um, until, until I find out I'm wrong, uh, the answer is B. There's a follow-up question to that from his friends from Dusty Orleans. What traits and background would your ideal AD possess? Well, if it were me, I want somebody who has previous Division I athletic director experience. That is not meant as a knock at Candace. What it is meant to say is, this thing is in bad shape. This is the Hindenburg. And you need somebody who has some experience at, at trying to repair the unrepairable. And, you know, who just walks in and you know who the boss is and there's no question. And that person has the confidence to say, I've been down this road before. Here's what we did, and I will rely on my experiences in the past to start to get this in the right direction. 
reflecting on those two questions, I'm with you. I think it's going to be hard for them to walk away, but I think they have a bigger problem because I think if at the end of this they have a quote-unquote national search and then they come away saying, well, Candace is the best person for the job, I think a lot of people are going to cry foul on that. Well, a lot of it is based on the press release, which they put together that made it sound like we were having this huge celebration, balloons and fireworks and, and all of that, where the truth of it is, who's kidding who? This is in as bad a shape, if not worse, than we have ever seen it. And that's just the truth. And I, I just think the way they put that press release out, uh, that was not good. I believe a real power struggle is coming. I think you're going to have a lot of people who care about athletics um, who are going to become very vocal very soon, uh, maybe out in the public forum, maybe behind walls uh, that are going to try to get an audience maybe with the chancellor or other people of influence. I think you will have the academic faction, which I squarely believe um, – my, my working theory now around the whole Malcolm Turner thing is this was more about him pushing to get stuff done and then not liking it than it was about anything else. Uh, and the blowback is what kind of did him in. In other words, uh, he tried a little too hard to change things, and I think he paid the price for it, and now I think they have somebody that they're more comfortable with. Um, and I think they'll probably try to thread the needle uh, to make it look like she's going to have the chance to change some things enough to get the job. Uh, but I don't know if ultimately uh, she will be able to markedly change the culture. Um, and I want to go back to Dusty Orleans' question on what would you look for in an AD. Okay, there's three things that I have. I think one is fundraising ability. They are currently going to try to give her a charge to do some of that. She's been active in that so far over the last few days, as far as I know. Uh, number two is the proven ability to attract and hire good coaches. Uh, she's had one shot at that, and honestly, it was the worst effort I've ever heard of anybody making. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. The basketball search for the women's coach was not about finding a good coach. It was about a social agenda. I don't think that's a big secret at this point, but she led that, and she was the one that pulled the strings on that, so there's that. Number three, I think it's can they change the current culture around Vanderbilt Athletics, uh, and especially within the administrative function, uh, maybe be able to get some things done. Now, again, I think that that's where, because she's liked, maybe she's got more of a chance. But again, I think because she's liked, um, that's because she may not push as hard for some things as some other people did, maybe as Malcolm Turner did. And, and you'll have to look at her track record, too. Right now, she is the... Um, what do you call it, the operations manager over football and women's basketball. Neither of those sports are doing very well. So, again, you look at the track record for what she's done, and it's just not been very good. Well, first of all, your answer was a whole lot better than mine. Uh, you got into some real meat and potatoes with yours. The only thing I'll go back and try and defend on mine is that I think they need somebody who is used to dealing with this, that has, that has been somewhere else where things didn't go very well 
you know, where things were not going very well. And all of a sudden, when that person got into play, they made things a lot better. And again, this is not a knock at Candace, but the fact of the matter is she, she knows one system and that's the David Williams system. And I don't think that's good enough. By the way, I said operations manager, sport manager was the term I was looking for. But yeah, either way, they have more than the ability to attract and retain a proven AD. And if they don't do that, that is a failure on the school in some part. If they leave this in six months or eight months or whatever from now, that this is where they settle, that will have been a failure. Because I know that if they put their best foot forward, they can find somebody who's done all these things, done them well. And it's not a mystery that whoever they could hire in that case will have been able to do those things, if that makes sense. In other words, they can find people that have checked all these boxes. If they hire her, uh, then that tells me that they did not do a good job of selling it or it was never really a competition in the first place. Well, I'm going to go with this a little bit differently. Um, I think they're going to have a really hard time um, influencing somebody on the outside to take this job. Now, if there's somebody stupid enough to go into this and not ask all the right questions, then shame on them and they'll get exactly what they deserve, which is a mess. But I'm going to assume that most of the athletic director candidates that they might have a chance to attract know that there's some real BS going on here. And so when they get into the interview setting, they're going to say, tell me why it's going to be different. Tell me what level of commitment you have. And I want it in writing because you all have not proven to be very trustable guy uh, a mandate and yet five months later you unmandated so I think they're going to have a really hard time attracting anybody worth a damn Uh, she's more of the company line party line which is what they want they don't want any pushback which is why I think she's going to get the job Yeah, and I think Malcolm did have the mandate. The more that I've asked and checked around, and I've spent just dozens of hours over the last month. It's now been a month now since he was let go, uh, which it seems like it's flown by. I mean, I I, I know that was the case. Um, You know, I reported over last week on Twitter that at one point he told him $800 million was the price tag for what they need. I even had somebody tell me this weekend they thought that a month might be more than that. yeah, I, I think it's, again, it, it's all in how they're able to sell it at this point uh, because I think if they really want to change things, they can. It's in their power. But I think that's where the new chancellor is is going to really walk into a hornet's nest in a way because if he does the things and he empowers a guy to be able to do the things the way that Malcolm got empowered at the onset, I think it's going to get him a slew of criticism right off the bat with his own people. Yeah, I mean, he probably has no clue what he's walking into. But for athletics to have any chance, that next chancellor has got to tell the the faculty, 
you know what? You all teach. You all worry about teaching. Athletics is none of your damn business. Stay out of it. We're going to be good at both. And if you don't like it, there's the door. If somebody had just said that at any point during the last 60 years and held to it, God knows where they would have gotten in athletics. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would have helped athletics. I don't know if it's so ingrained there that the person that comes in and does that uh, doesn't get shown the door really quick. I, I just don't know. Gordon Gee is the closest in my lifetime to trying to give athletics a chance. And I guess deep down, I wish that he had stayed here longer than the four or five years that he did so that we could have seen where it might go. Uh, Otherwise, I just don't think anybody at the top has ever told the faculty, you worry about teaching, I'll worry about the athletics, we're going to be good at both, and, you know, we don't need your input on athletics any more than athletics deserves input into how you all go about educating. Another question from D. Robertson, TN. With the new chancellor not starting till August and the AD search happening after, does this mean we will not see any facilities plans till the end of the year, if ever? Well, first of all, when is this new chancellor getting here? I've heard all kinds of different dates. I believe it's June the 1st or July the 1st. I wrote that in an article this week, and there's been some speculation that that might get moved up into April, but I cannot confirm that. I don't know if there's anything to that or not. Yeah. Well, let, let's go with the question he asked. Uh, I think he's on to something. I don't expect to see much of anything of any real importance uh, that gets done you know, by the start of the 2020 uh, football season. I'll go back to my snide kind of um, cynical plants and urinals. You know, that that's the kind of stuff I think you see early. Well, from what I understand right now, and part of the reason that Candace was hesitant to say much is I think generally there wasn't a lot that she could say in some ways because this plan's got to be approved by the new chancellor and a lot of things like that. So again, it's back to this nebulous, well, we have something. We don't really know what it is, but we want you to be on board. And <laughs> and when we get there, you can hold us accountable, which just I don't know why in the world they had that press conference, because somebody had to be smart enough to think there's nothing we can tell people. Uh, and if anybody asks us questions with any critical degree, we're going to look foolish, which is what happened. So I think there is some of that, but it also falls into that same old Vandy category where it also gives him cover to push back and, um, you know, all those things. And and that's what they've been so expertly doing for decades now is leaving themselves enough wiggle room where nothing's really out there to hold their feet to the fire with. So, yes, there is some legitimacy to the pushback, but it also falls in the same old category of they've kind of built in some cover uh, for not having to do things, too, if that makes sense. Well, first of all, you're right. I have no idea why they held that press conference. Uh, What a waste of time. Um, and, And she is to blame for some of that because, you know, 
I don't think there's any doubt that Kirkland was spinning all of that. And she needed to say to them, you know what? I can't make this work. I'll end up looking like a fool. I'm not doing this. So she's got to have some level of pushback for all the stupid crap they want to create. And at least early, I don't see that at all. And so she's, she's getting ripped at times for stuff that it looks to me like Kirkland is making her do. And at some point she's going to get tired of getting barbecued and is going to have to tell them, look, I can't play ball this way. Yeah, and at some point they have to make a decision. Um, is she talking to them or is she talking to us? Well, I think so far she's talking to them. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. Buffdoor says, how much blowback has the greater administration gotten as a result of this disaster of a strategic plan release? Is this what is forcing a potential national search for the AD? Is this it's a good sign that the fans can actually make the move in a positive direction, or is this just lip service? Okay, you may have to help me, but let's try and go sentence by sentence on that because it's good stuff. Start start at the beginning of it. Okay, first question is how much blowback has a greater administration got as a result of this disaster of a strategic plan release? Uh, my guess is that they don't get a lot of it. Most of it falls on athletics. Um, you know, the guy that's, that is going to be running the thing, he's up in Chicago. Uh, the likelihood he's not getting virtually any of it. Susan Wente's probably hearing a little bit of it, but so what? Uh, I think the answer is a little bit, not a ton. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this does make a difference, but it's also a good way to sort of deflect some criticism for a while. In other words, if you say we're going to have a search for an AD, but your chancellor isn't coming for months, that's a way to kind of, I it's guess, a four corner stall. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Maybe maybe go, go ma- with yeah. Maybe for once they go mean with it. The rest but of that question. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the second part, or the third and fourth parts, I guess. Is this a good sign that the fans can actually think they are moving in a positive direction, or is it just lip service? Lip service. Yeah. Historically speaking, there's no reason we should trust them. Uh. Uh-uh. Um. Is there any more on that question? No, that's the end of that one. Yeah. But if you've got more question. more on there, um, have at it. Well, here would be um, here would be a scenario that that I kind of want to play out. So normally, when there are athletic director searches, um at Vandy, I will get three or four people in the athletic world who I'm friends with, who will reach out to me and want an opinion. And I I would say another person that gets a lot of that is Tim Thompson, because he is so wired into the athletic director world, the Nike world, Tim probably gets more of it than anybody. And so the question would be, the person calls and says, should I go after it? Is it a good job? 
And you know what? These days, if you're really a friend of that person, I don't know how you can say yes. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people's concern. I think this is your litmus test, okay? You look at their women's basketball search committee and what an absolute pathetic joke that was and look at the result that it had. And again, that was not to find a basketball coach. That was to find um, something political. You know, they advertised that and put that out there uh, like they were so proud of it. If they want to find a legit AD, there are many people at their disposal that could help them. I know Tim could help them. Tim Corbin in the offseason could help them. You got alums who were connected like Will Purdue or Corey Chavis or any number of people that could help them. If they really want to find an AD, they can enlist the right people who can help them get to an AD and know stuff that you and I don't know, the hidden flaws of people. You know, Somebody may look good on paper, but hey, this is what I know because I'm connected in that industry is why they're not good. Or maybe somebody who's a hidden sleeper there that they don't know about. They can get at that information if they want to. I think you can look at the committee that they will choose to form, um, whether they announce it or not, and I think that will tell you everything about what their intentions are. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know more of the recent inner workings than I do. And, um, and, and there's no doubt about that. Well, the, you're dead on right with what you're saying. I just know that if, and when they do a search, I think what I would have to tell, let's say, quote, a friend, number one, you got to find out if it's a real search or if it's kind of a sham, you know, um, number two is. If, if the person is dead set that they want to get it, what are the questions that need to be asked? Because to me, this time around, the most important questions that get asked will be by the candidate toward Vandy, not Vandy toward the candidate. Well, you know, if, if I were sitting there, am I qualified to be on an AD search? Not really, but I know enough to be dangerous. And if I could be a fly on the wall, to me, the questions that the candidate asks are a lot more important as to whether that person could make it work here than the questions Vandy would have. Tell me if you disagree. I still say before they go there with going forward, if I am Bruce Evans, the chairman of the board, I'm conducting an investigation to say, what in the world just happened over the last year and a half? How did we end up in a position where we actually gave a guy charge to do a job in a revolutionary way, and yet it fell apart within a year? I don't think until they understand how it came unraveled that that'll ever get any better. Can't disagree with that. Um you know, it goes back to this whole thing about if you're going to be a great university, then you need to strive to be great at everything. And they're great at a lot of things. Listen, their they're, they're medical stuff, you know, is, is at the top of the charts. Uh, the kind of education kids get, 
top of the charts. So why does athletics have to be at the bottom? Why does it have to be an embarrassment? Why do the facilities have to be an embarrassment? The answer is because nobody has ever embraced that mattered the concept that says, if you're going to be a great university, you need to strive to be great at everything you do. And they don't. Last question, and then I'll get you out of here. Um, what were your thoughts, this is from Dorfan, about last Saturday and what it means for the national sports landscape? This is regarding the soccer team. Do you think the crowd was a one-time thing because of the novelty? Will Nashville find a smaller venue for an entire season? Or will it fill a smaller yeah. venue for an entire season? Excuse me. Well, it's a great question because, um, you know, I spent probably – 30 minutes of the show yesterday on it. I had Butch Spearden on to talk about it. Nashville has really moved up the charts over a series of things that have gone on um, in recent years. I don't think there's any question but that the MLS from the fourth one based on what they were seeing of the Predator run in 2017, and they were seeing all of the activity going on downtown from people who couldn't even get in the building to see the games. I think they were like, holy cow, we got to get into this. We got to tap into this. Then I think there was the second uh, piece of this, which was the NFL draft, which was a bigger success than anybody could have seen coming, except maybe Butch. You know, it, beyond everybody's wildest dreams, everybody started taking notice. Then all of a sudden, you know, the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, lists Nashville's name as part of, you know, a potential expansion uh, process down the road. He mentioned us. And, and to me, that's a big deal. And now you've got this third piece, which is they put damn near 60,000 people in a football stadium. And it was legit. I was there. Um, I went to the first two periods of the Preds game and then walked over to the football stadium because I wanted to see what it would look like. You know, I don't pretend to know a ton about soccer. Uh, but I wanted to see what it was going to be like. And so now, however they got those 59,000 in there, you should have seen three hours before the game, like I did, the level of tailgating that was going on out there. I'll guarantee you that Butch, in the next few days, will be sending somebody at Major League Baseball some sort of tape of all that stuff. And so the long answer to me is it's a it's another little building block a little notch in Nashville's belt that we're a pretty damn good sports city I think what I'm happiest for is John Ingram because John has basically been the quote unquote owner of Vanderbilt Sports if it had one over the last decade or two and even John's powerless to change a lot of things with Vanderbilt now he kind of gets to run a franchise and get to run it in a legitimate, real way. And I'm anxious to see what he does with it. And I was thrilled for him over the weekend that it went so well. 
Well, here's what I, and I'm right there with you on it. I know that um, throughout this process, I've been very impressed with people John has hired. That appears to be a real strength of his, uh, at least in this soccer world, it has been. Um, Ian Air really knows his stuff. The other thing I've been impressed with, and, and I've known this for about two and a half years, they had begun assembling a staff uh, that really was impressive. And I would hear a lot of this because they were hiring a lot of young people out of Belmont's sports administration program. And a lot of those young kids would, would end up coming to talk to me about, you know, the situation. And, and I would tell them, first of all, John Ingram will be a terrific owner. Uh, he's committed. He's got, you know, he, he'll put his money where his mouth is. And th- this is going to go well. And, and so, you know, he and I have talked about it some. In fact, I had him on the air, when was it? I guess last Thursday. And, you know, we talked about some of those young people that he's hired. and. You know, I, I don't care what it is you do. If you put fifty nine thousand people in a in a facility for a game, you got to be doing something right. You've got to have some level of infrastructure and staff that could get that done. And you know, the truth of it is, maybe he needs to go teach Vandy how to create a fan base. You know, just as an aside before we end, you know, the whole narrative has been, oh, soccer is this up-and-coming thing that's going to take America by storm one day. And it seems like we heard that for 30, 40 years. And everybody just kind of laughed that off and it was dismissed as this thing that everybody said would happen and never did. And all of a sudden, you look up in the year 2020 and it sort of has happened. around our country to know why it has all of a sudden exploded. I know that Seattle Seattle and Atlanta are two of the other places that have had really good success. And, um, you know, Atlanta probably had, it probably had 12 to 15,000 of the people that were in that stadium Saturday night. Um, you know, how in the world, could a soccer deal have become more popular in that city than either the Falcons or the Braves? I don't know, but that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I can't explain it either. George, thank you for you joining. Know, now, um, sorry, I, I, we had a bad connection. No, no, I may have talked over you there. No, that's okay. What, whatever I had wasn't worth the price of admission. So, uh, you, you were doing the smart thing, which is, George, we've heard enough of you. Go away and come back some other day. <laughs> well, that's not how I meant it. Uh, the, the internet connection has gotten glitchy at the end of this call here. Uh, but in, in, in any case, um, thank you for joining us. I'm going to return the favor on your show today, and I want to give you a minute to let you tell people about that. Well, let me uh, let me schedule my show here. Can you do 3 o'clock? <laughs> I can do 3 o'clock. Well, then I'll see you at 3 o'clock. How about that? That sounds good. And tell people where they will hear us. 
the radio station is WNSR, which is 560 on the AM dial, 95.9 on FM. But maybe more importantly um, is the app. The app is the great equalizer, but I'm going to try and make up two cities here. You can hear it from, oh gosh, let's come up with two. Um, Tacoma to Timbuktu. Good. Well done. Um, And and simply, you you can go on the app at Nashville Sports Radio is the app. And and listen in. We're on from two to four every day. And we talk a little bit of everything. So come on in and join us. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. A pleasure as always. You can also hear this podcast from Tacoma to Timbuktu. It's been heard in all 50 states and several foreign countries. We appreciate you listening, and we will have more episodes we will drop later in the week, including one coming that I will take today with Will Perdue.